Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Swanson Health is the only company to offer the full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. From quality vitamins and supplements to cruelty-free beauty items to eco-friendly home products, Swanson Health is here to keep you healthy. Swanson Health only supports products they're proud to use and give to their own families, backing everything by strict quality standards with the Swanson Quality Code. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. And in fact, I got a chance to use several of the products from ones that I've already used like Burt's Bees Hand Cream to new ones like the Probiotics by Swanson Health. And I was so happy to use those products and they're, and they're great. So pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code WORK20 for 20% off on Swanson.com. That's code WORK20 for 20% off on Swanson.com. Now on to the show. Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I'm Brandon Laws, your host, and this is episode number 250. It's incredible to think that we've come this far since 2012, but I just appreciate everybody who, who's been on the this long journey and, and ride with us, and we couldn't do the show without you. Uh, thank you for all of those of you who are wanting to learn about business, HR, leadership. It's... Uh, it's the the people are are the really the foundation of of workplaces and you know that's why I appreciate talking to experts in this area and uh, just really excited about the the milestone and the fact that we get to keep going and I hope one day to make it to a thousand episodes which would be incredible. Okay, so today's episode is with Galen Emanuel. I've been saving this one up for a while. He is uh, local to the Portland, Oregon area, actually, where, I, where I'm at. Uh, I wish I could have done this in person with him, but we had to settle for a virtual uh, Zoom video so we could see each other and record this episode. But Galen is so animated and energetic in, in his content. He, he talks about culture and engagement and communication and, and all of those things that, that touch... Um, the workplace and just the the dynamic of team team members. So, uh, really enjoyed this conversation with them. I will warn you that there are some swear words in this episode. I, I typically avoid that, but it's Galen's style, and uh, quite honestly, maybe you don't know this about me. That's my style too. But I I usually prevent <laughs> myself from from saying uh, cuss words on the show. But today it will be explicit. So if you got kids in the car. I recommend avoiding this episode, at least until you can get quiet space. And if you just don't love cuss words, then maybe you skip through it or or opt out of this one. So just wanted to give you a heads up since it's not a normal style on this particular uh, show. But it's a really, really interesting episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. We talk about culture, engagement, diversity, equity, inclusion, communication, conflict, like 
we touched on everything because he's got lots of great content on his website, shiftyes.com. Uh, you'll find awesome videos and all that. So I asked him a lot about these different subjects because I was just really fascinated by it. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode like I did. I really enjoyed the conversation. Please let me know what you think about the episode. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also a heavy user on Instagram, so you're welcome to direct message me there. It's a good spot. And I just really hope you are doing well and are staying safe and um, continuing to build uh, great workplaces and uh, have a great week ahead. Thanks. Hey, Galen, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Welcome. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, can't wait, man. I love this stuff. I love, you know, I love diving into these things. So uh, I am very excited. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I've been following you for a while. I don't, you probably don't know that. Uh, you know, we've crossed paths on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And we just kind of run in kind of the same circles and you're in Portland. So I know of you, I know of your work. You People speak highly of your speaking gigs and I've never seen you speak in person, but I know from all the videos that I've watched of you and even colleagues who've seen you, you're just so animated and you, you have your body language is so like energetic and, and uh, when you're on stage and even in your videos too, like you're just, if people see like your hand gestures are all over the place and yeah. speak passionately, but I want to start with your, I want to start with your background. How did you even like, you didn't do this forever. Where did you start and how did you get into this, this speaking on team engagement and culture and, and all of that? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my kind of business background was always in sales and marketing, and I've always just been curious and obsessed with sort of people and humans and why they interact and why they do what they do. And uh, so that, you know, that's been my business background. I started taking improv uh, at back in 2004. Um, I started doing improv. I heard about improv classes and I was like, that sounds amazing. And like day one, first class, I was like, I am hooked. This, I'm home. Like this, all my weirdness fits in here. And I just, I'd, I'd always been in theater and just like the loud kind of, you know, boisterous human being around. So, uh, you know, I did those two things parallel uh, for a number of years. And at one point I became the marketing and sales director for the improv theater that I was performing and teaching at. Um, and I am just an entrepreneur in my blood. Uh, like that is my DNA. And I, you know, when I got there, I was like, man, I've been teaching improv and performing improv for years. And I also speak business. And I was like, there is so much crossover here in terms of how people communicate, how they interact, how they impact each other. And just perception and mindset and everything just around human beings and human interactions. And so I, I just saw a lot of opportunity there. Um, and I started teaching classes, putting on workshops, working, you know, developing curriculum and, and working with teams and sort of seeing what worked and what didn't to sort of bring that those improv concepts and ideas into the world of business and leadership and, and just impact. And uh, yeah, and just did that for a couple of years there. Uh, and it took off pretty quickly. It was I wasn't ever like, okay, I want to like be a speaker. I want to like do this work. It was just I just saw an opportunity and started doing it, and I was immediately like, oh my god, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, a couple years after starting that, it had 
blown up pretty well. I was working with Microsoft and bigger companies, and I was like, this is the only thing I ever want to do. I left, started my own company, and then it's just been, that was about six years ago, six and a half years ago. So that's it. Just sort of escalated to doing keynotes and working with companies and training and, and continuing to develop content and, uh, you know, and, and focus on things. You know, originally just started with kind of communication and, and uh, saying yes to other people's ideas and creativity, and it really kind of morphed into what I saw was the biggest value in, in uh, you know, of this work, which is really around teams and leadership and culture and how people show up together as a group, as, you know, together collectively and, and engagement performance, just, uh, you know, emotional intelligence. It just sort of weaved into these other topics that I'm like, this is really the heart of all of this stuff uh, that makes teams successful that, you know, um, so anyways, I'll, I could just keep going for 20 more minutes. Oh, yeah. so, uh, I'll be quiet, but that's, that's how, that's how I end up getting to do speaking and working with teams and stuff. And just, I, I love it, man. It is my bliss. Uh, it really truly is. This work is phenomenal. It's interesting because I, I knew your improv background, you know, reading your site and I, and you, you talk about it on some of your videos and things like that. And at first I was like, what is the connection between improv and like culture and just communication? But now that I look at it, cause I've taken maybe long time ago, took like a, an improv class in the school or something. It, and it, it is interesting because you're sort of operating on the fly and communicating with people and building off of what they're saying. And that's what life is all about, right? Like you have different personalities. They, you might run into a different situation and have to be able to respond appropriately to the situation using your emotional intelligence. And is that really the connection? It kind of is. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people have a, have a misconception about sort of how improv really works, right? Because you see whose lines it anyway, and uh, you know you from what you know of improv, and, and so that people that are listening that know the difference, it's not stand up, it's not telling a bunch of jokes, it's improv, like whose line is it anyway, where you're on stage with somebody else and creating scenes with no script out of nothing. But it is funny. That, it's that hilarious. Funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and improv just by nature inherently is just very funny because you know that people on stage haven't planned anything and just like it's so spontaneous and there's just magic that happens. But a lot of people have this conception that improv to be a good improviser to do improv you have to be quick on your feet and you have to be funny and all these other like things that. but the uh, it's actually not true it's it's mm. completely the opposite improv really is truly about being in the moment it's about listening uh it's about like being being generous um right it's about making other people look good and people have yeah. this thought that you get on stage and it's like you have to think of funny shit to say and like it's not that at all it it's does seem really like that about, like, I, it actually gives me anxiety like looking at people <laughs> doing that i'm like oh how do they yeah. even Think yeah. of a beat like this. And it's, you know, and, and kind of like to, you know, to get into like why improv and how it works, everything, you know, for people that don't know, uh, everything in improv is centered around this core concept idea of yes and. Uh, and that is the meat and potatoes of all things improv. And so the, the, the short version of that is that everything that your partner does on stage is considered an offer. And you as an improviser, your job is to say yes and accept that person's offer and then add on to it. So I'm not there trying to think of a bunch of shit to say. I'm waiting for you to do anything, right? Make a look at me, say anything out of your mouth. And then my job as an improviser is to take what you said, accept it rightfully, and then add on to it and enhance it and make it better. But I'm focusing on making you look good, right? So when I'm on stage, if you and I are in a scene, my number one and only priority is to make you look brilliant. Everything that you say that comes out of your mouth, I'm like, I have to make that look good, that look brilliant. And so really the focus isn't on 
you and being funny and impressing anybody with like coming up with cool shit. It really is truly, it's about listening. It's about being very extremely present and in the moment, right? And really focusing on like, what is your partner doing? And, and it just, it's really about reading people, impacting people. And that, and that just, it, it, there's so much magic behind it, but it's, it's totally the opposite of what people expect. When you see improv, you see people being funny and you're like, ah, it's about being funny. It's not at all. It's not, it really like the, the best, and I te- from teaching improv for many, many years, the best qualities, right? It's like uh, of an improviser are somebody who is generous, uh, right? It, it really, truly is. It's like mm-hmm. somebody that makes somebody else look good to listen, to be in the moment, to be selfless, to be generous. Those are the things that make great improvisers, um, not people who are, uh, you know, it's not about ego. It's not about looking good and impressing people. It, it really is not. So that, you know, when, and, when you put it that way, it actually translates to the workplace pretty well. In fact, your your website URL is shift yes, which builds on that idea of the yes and concept um, of improving communication. Share more about that. Like, what if, and maybe let me just pose something to you. So, if an action needs to happen on stage where you get to build off of it, you get to say yes. It's like an offer, like you said. You get to build on that and improvise. What if in in the workplace, somebody's really closed off and not really taking any action. And you're like, you don't really have the ability to say yes. And like, how does, how does all that work? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Cause, and you know, the other, the other sort of at first look initial glance when people take a look at, or the work I do or think I talk about, you know, taking that yes and principle and applying that to teams and culture and impact, uh, you know, or just communication, uh, I think automatically people again have this perception that that means just saying yes to everything. And it's not, that's not even remotely possible, right? In business and work with decisions, there's terrible ideas out there, lots of stuff to say no to. And it's not about a sort of like, you know, uh, Pollyanna kind of say yes to everything, pretend everything's, you know, just like ridiculous positivity. It's not about that at all. It's more about the impact that we have on other people, right? So if you have an idea and you share an idea with me and I hate it, instead of trampling on that idea, right? I just, it's about a mindset. It's it's like, is there, for me to filter your idea is like, is there anything about that idea that I love? Is there anything about that idea that could work, right? It's looking for, is there any way to say yes to this at all? Um, and instead of pointing out all the reasons that it won't work, that's just like one tiny example, but it's it's really a mindset shift, right? Of can we, can how, we role play this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me let me do this. Let's just stick to the culture because I, I want to see okay. want to see how it works in the moment. No, okay. dig I'm in. Improv- let's do I'm this. improvising. I, lo- so, <laughs> I love it, Galen. Okay, let's pretend we work in the same workplace, and you're you're a senior leader, yep. Gal- Galen. I really feel like to boost our culture, we need a ping pong table in the lunchroom. Tell me more about that. So I really feel like we need a place where people can come together and uh you know have fun and smile and laugh and we just need a break from our work we just need to be able to have a spot where we can all hang out and and play yeah i love that man i love uh i agree i think it's important so um what what i'm curious to do like i love the ping pong idea just like i want to unpack this a little bit more um like where are you where are you seeing that like because i i agree with you i think that like some play and getting away from work is a good idea but like i'm curious to hear like are there things that you're seeing from the team where people are like working too hard? Uh, like, you know, I just want to like understand a little bit more of like, where are you coming from? And like, where do you see the value in that? Because I can think of other ideas, even, you know, with a ping pong table, but like a game time or like teams or competition or like, I can see a number of different ways that we could accomplish that as well, whether that's ping pong table or not. So like, uh, yeah, like, tell me more, like, what, what are, do you have some other ideas or, uh, yeah, just, I'm curious to hear. 
Yeah. That's like, good. Okay. <laughs> what do you see, like? And or you know, or like, what are you seeing that makes you feel like we need more of that play? Um, like, are you hearing things from the rest of the team, or like, do you feel like people are burnt out or overworked? Like, what do you see? That's good. Well, I'll, I'll we'll stop the role play there. That I totally get the point. Like, you're you're asking thoughtful questions to un- really unpack that response, right? Yeah. Like. And- yeah, and even if I think a ping pong table is a terrible idea, yeah, well, it didn't, come, it didn't come across that way. You were just trying to get to the root of like why the, the person believed what they believed, right? Which to me is always like, okay, well, where are you coming from? Like, tell me more about that. Even if I, even if I hated your idea, I'd be like, ah, I get where you're coming from because yeah. I'm focused on like, what is your objective, right? And what you said in there is like, I think people are um, need a place to play and relax and have some fun. And I'm like, that's the goal here, right? So the idea yeah. might be, let's get a ping pong table, but maybe there's a hundred other ways that we could accomplish the same objective that aren't a ping pong table, right? So me asking the question to dive in deeper to be like, well, what are you seeing? Like, why do you think that's valuable? You know, what's going on that, that, that made that sort of like, that you came to the conclusion of a ping pong table would be a solve for that. But like, what's the, what's the root the going root, on underneath yeah. there? Yeah. And so it's like, it's just about like asking and listening. And um, I might have a strong opinion about whether or not a ping pong table is a good idea, but sharing it right now, right out the gate of like, we can't have that. Those, those things cost $800 and people just play like, what's the point of that? When it's like, someone's no, that's a divisive response to they're going to, they're going to probably feel alienated or they'll be defensive but the way you asked, I can't remember what question you asked exactly, but like, oh, well, look, why do you, why do you think that's a good idea? Like, or you asked something even more thoughtful, just to, to just like put the ball in my court to try to explain why I felt that way. And you were getting to the root cause. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I, right off the bat, I hit you with my tell me more about that. Yeah. The tell me more. That was what you said. It's my favorite phrase in the world. Beautiful. If you could say the worst thing in the world to me and I'd be like, tell me more about that. If tell you're like, Galen, you're the worst listener. I, I hate you. You're the ter- you're a terrible leader. I'd be like, tell, me, tell more. me more about that. Where are you coming from? I don't, I, it's like the ability to postpone having an opinion for one second and just listen and ask, right? In conflict with people sharing ideas, it's like, let's get to the heart of the root of what's going on here first. And again, it's like, it's that I'm not trying to make myself look good. I'm trying to know where you're coming from. I want to listen to you and hear where you're coming from. And like, you know, if, if I approach everything I do where I want to make you look good, <laughs> that means yeah. I'm going to listen to you. I want to hear you out. I want to hear where you're coming from. I don't need to have an opinion or defend or deflect anything. It's like, where are you coming from? It's like listening and digging deep and great leaders. Like they do that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Anyways, I, that was a fun role that. play, man, but that was fun. I, I, sorry, I put you on the spot, but you're, I love it. I figured, I figured it was okay. I'm, that was an easy one, man. It was like a ping pong <laughs> table. I was like, yeah, I know. I, fi- I, I figured it idea. And maybe, well, especially now where people are like all, most of them are remote because of the quarantine stuff. Maybe they're not thinking of a ping pong table. Maybe it's something else altogether. So I thought I'd use a stupid example. So let, I, love, sh- I love terrible yeah. ideas, man. Terrible. Like <laughs> almost every brilliant idea started off as a bad one. And it's like, yeah, cause they need, ideas, build off of it. Yeah, they need tweaking and, and where are you coming from? What's the objective? Like what's behind that? Like is, what could work about that? Or if that's unreasonable or expensive or whatever is there any way we could make that happen and like just being in that mindset of like how can we say yes to this and and what are we saying yes to right like dig deep and listen so anyways cool i'm glad we got to talk really about the overall concept of your organization and what you do i want to dive into some of your content because i found it so fascinating and i want to just give people some nuggets that are going to help them in in the situation that we're in with quarantine, remote work, and then even we'll touch on uh, the stuff going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, just in racism conversations in general. We'll just touch briefly on that. But 
So the big question I have for you right now is engagement's got to be hard right now. Like if people are scattered all over the place, there some might be in an office or some might be forced to go in just based on what they do, uh, where others are just completely working remote. Like how do we keep people engaged? Like as leaders, how do we make sure that people are feel connected? Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think that's, that's a, a super relevant conversation, right? Is like, how do you, if you have remote teams, like how do you keep people engaged and motivated and, and, uh, and stuff too? I, I recently had a blog about this, um, just talk about five different ways that to mm-hmm. keep teams engaged and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think, I think establishing just to kind of like dive into a couple of those, establishing routines is really important, um, in terms of if you've got remote workers, but, uh, it's, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but it's like putting systems in place of like, how often do we check in? And, yeah. Like, and, almost and like, like a stand up meeting in the morning or something like that. Is that like what you mean by routine? Yeah, completely. And say, okay, on, you know, Monday mornings, we'll have a check in, see what's on your list or what you got done for last week. Uh, or, you know, Wednesday afternoon, we have a middle of the week sort of like check in with the whole team and be like, how's everyone doing? Is everyone on track? Um, but creating routines that, that are consistent is great instead of having like erratic inconsistent communication, because that makes people feel more disconnected, especially if they aren't physically with each other. Um, and I think that embracing community is huge, right? So the sense of what you said, the ping pong table thing, like the idea of of a sense of community and camaraderie is so important, right? That we have things that we're doing as a team together that are not work. And that can be competitions between departments or do like fantasy sports together or start a softball team. There's no or, sports right now. There's no sports, but it's like, uh, you know, finding ways, trivia nights or finding yeah. ways that we can do something as a team where, you know, the, the one thing that we're missing if we're working remote is the normal like water cooler kind of chat that we have, right? Or like the time that we go and waste time, what shows are you watching? And so even like establishing, uh, you know, like a happy hour, or 30 minutes on a Friday before the end of the day where we come together and just like talk about anything that's not work. What TV yeah. shows, what books are you reading? Uh, what do you guys have planned for the weekend? You know, that like give people that social interaction, that sort of like, right, that emotional glue and like that social time with each other. And, and uh, you know, so that we feel like we have a sense of community. And, um, you know, there's... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I wanted to just chime in and, and say like yesterday I, it was kind of a mind-blowing exercise that we did we had an all-team meeting with at Zenium, and so we have like i think 80 people were logged into this the zoom call and we started off with an activity and we and i launched breakout rooms i don't know if you've ever done that on zoom where yeah. you can like basically put people in rooms and uh suzy weir who's our vp of uh, culture and development she came up with this idea to put people in these rooms and ask a question of like, what are your core values personally? And then what was the other question? It was something like, what are you working on that you're really excited about? And it just got people talking about what's important to them and they can just kind of bounce off each other and build on it. And I thought it was, I thought it was a really good way to engage people. People, that was the best part of the meeting by far. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I love that kind of stuff. It's like finding a way to kind of break things up a little bit. And, you know, especially right now, I think over the last couple of months, there's just a lot. Everyone has a lot on their brain personally at work. Work is like, there's just a lot of stress and anxiety. It's like to acknowledge that people are not at full engagement right now. They're not at full morale right now. It's like, we have to acknowledge those things and have real conversations. And that's a perfect example. It's like, you know, what, what are your core values? Like, what are you most excited about right now? When we, when my team does check-ins every week, it's like, it's a check-in, but it's like, it's a highlight. Like, what else is going great? And, you know, we started doing this sandbox thing on Friday. So every Friday from 2 to 5 p.m., 
We can continue to work on work. People can work on their own projects. They can paint. Uh, they, like there's like it's like personal, uh, just passion projects that you have, or like yeah. side hustle kind of stuff. And I'm like, like let's. It. It's just we call it the sandbox, and it's like you can do anything you want for those three hours, or you can leave early for the weekend. I don't care. And it's like it's a chance to like put your head down and get some work done, or work on side project like again it's like finding ways because you just have to acknowledge that people are not at full capacity right now they're not fully productive and engaged and and when we sort of like right let the tension off the rubber band a little bit it recharges people it gives them an opportunity to be like right to come back fired up and productive and ready to go if we if we we burn the candle at both ends we stay totally you know when we get burnout we're we're useless and i totally you know just acknowledging that nobody's productive for eight hours a day right now you're working at home. People have kids. It's just, it's insane. So it's like to acknowledge and get real about where people are is important. But, you know, the other thing I think is important, The this one, I think it's missed a lot. And it's just the last one I want to talk about in terms of remote teams is asking people what they want. Because yeah, some people, simple. yeah, it's like some people might want more communication or less communication. Don't force people into like a video call every single day for half an hour. If people are introverted, uh, right, it drains the it drains all the energy and life out of them to be on a video call and have to stare at their own face for an hour. Especially all or, day doing yeah, this. Like exactly. it's physically draining. Yes. And like going to your people to say, what do you need, right? This experience of you working remote, right? First of all, how am I showing up as a leader? What do you need from me? How can I support you? Do you want more communication, less communication? Like what do you need in order to thrive? Like what are the conditions that are completely optimal for you? And then my job, like the highest function, the highest, best purpose of me as a leader is to give you exactly all those conditions so that you can be as productive, as engaged, right? As motivated as possible. But it's like, don't assume, don't assume what people need, uh, right? Don't force everyone into the same kind of uh, bubble because different people need different things. And that situational leadership, right? It's like, there's some wisdom behind that of like, go to people and be like, Hey, I care about you. I care about your experience. How can I support you right now? What do you need from me? And give that to them, right? Yeah. Some thoughts. Since we were talking about remote work, I, I wanted to ask you about you, you had some other content on like burnout. What are some ways that leaders or managers can encourage like the healthy boundaries that people can avoid getting burnout? Because I'll tell you, like you know, I work at I'm working at home. It's been three and a half months. I actually like it, and I do have some separation. But there are times where I'm feeling like I'm always connected or uh, since I'm home and I'm always, my computer's always next to me or my phone's always next to me, I'm, I'm able to just, oh, hop on, take care of the email or take care of that project. And it's not helpful for my family. I mean, it's coming from internally. I'm not getting, it's not, nobody's telling me I need to be working all the time. But mm-hmm. I know that, I know that people are going through this where they're just like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll just work. I'll just keep working. It's fine. But like, how do you how do you encourage boundaries and set those up so where you don't get burned out and feel like you always have to be working? Uh, I think the number one easiest, most effective way to deal with that is to have conversations about it. Have conversations with your team to be like, guys, we need to set boundaries around. I don't want you working ten hours a day. I don't want you to burn out. I, w- I don't want you to overwork yourself. So like, you know, if something doesn't get to you by five p.m., then check it at nine a.m. I think again, like with anything, every situation is different. Every person's different. Every team is different. Right? The work you're doing, but. Having intentional conversations as a team, as a leader to say, this is what I want this to feel like and uh, that, you know, encourage your team to create boundaries, take time, take a full hour lunch break. Don't work through your lunch while you're eating your food. Like, again, it's like people become useless if they if they burn out. Um, And it's like, take 
put 15 minutes a day on your schedule to go and walk around your house or walk around the block if yeah. you can, right? Like put dedicate time for yourself to make sure that you are balancing, right? It's like your mental space, take time, like have boundaries. And I think that like as a leader, how do you encourage people to do that? Have real conversations, right? Get your team on the line and say, guys, what are some boundaries? What are some ground rules of working from home and being remote that we want to establish so that we make sure that people are not burning out. They're taking care of their mental health and their mental space. Um, right? Taking care of their physical health, um, that kind of stuff. And like, it just, it starts with having real conversations and, and just bringing it up to say, hey, let's have some intention around this, which starts with a conversation, which starts with saying, what do we want this to look like? And, and creating that with intention. Um, absolutely. Because I, I don't have the solution for what will work for every human and every team. But when we, yeah, when we come together and have a conversation, be like, guys, let's create some boundaries. No work on weekends. No, like, right. It's like, you know, give people permission to not overwork themselves. And I think, again, a role as a leader to come and say, guys, this is important to me. I need all of you at your best. I need all of your batteries fully charged, right? When it's time to work, foot on the gas, we get work done. But like, you need to also pull back from that. And I I want to make sure you're doing that. Um, I, that's really powerful, you know? I also think that like the leader, they've got to be practicing what they preach too. So like if they lead by example and, and they set boundaries, they block off an hour on their calendar to take a walk during the middle of the day or whatever it may be. I think they've got to, they've got to show that the employees like, Hey, I'm doing this too. And you, you need to be doing it as well. A hundred percent. Yep. You got to model that behavior, set the, yeah, set the tone. I heard you say in, I think it was a video, you talked about intentional culture. You have to be intentional about your culture. What does that mean? Oh man, uh, <laughs> how how deep you want to dive? This is the, uh, I mean, go not as too deep, deep as you, not too deep. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, go let's medium. Let's go medium depth. I'll go, I'll go low to medium. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, this is the heart and the foundation of a lot of like my work and what I'm really passionate about is around how teams collectively can create culture. So culture can be a tricky word. It feels like a buzzword. A lot of organizations like you know. Uh, go as far as we have a mission statement and we have a list of obvious values like trust and integrity and respect and be like, that's our culture. And it's like, bullshit. That is not your culture. Because how do people show up every day, right? What do you allow? What do you hold people accountable to? It's the little micro behaviors. Yes. What is expected of every single person? And do you hold people accountable to that? Um, And so, you know, I, it's one of the things I do that I love the most is being able to help teams take the idea of, culture, this elusive, uh, complex idea of how do you create culture on a team um, and translate that into a very simple step-by-step kind of process to walk through how you do that, right? The same way that you create a marketing plan, the same way you create an operations plan, right? To treat culture like a strategic priority so that there are actual tangible steps to it, um, but show companies how to do it. And I think that's missing from a, the the tool belt and repertoire of a lot of leaders, a lot of um, even people in the HR and training and development space. It's like, we know what great culture feels like. We know that it has a huge impact on engagement, performance, job satisfaction, retention, attracting talent, like everything that we're chasing in business is greatly impacted by our culture, right? The performance of our people that are in their roles and they're right. That are executing our business plan. It's like th- those people are happy and productive. It's like that makes us a ton more money, right? It's like we have better customer experiences, all of those things, but how to do it is missing. Um, and so that's, and that like 
that's the thing that I feel like through working with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teams and organizations and leaders and 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 testing stuff out is like having kind of the the secret sauce and the recipe of this is how that's done. Uh, that's that's the heart of my work. That's what I love doing and being able to show companies about this is actually pretty simple if you know how to do it. But that's just not anything taught in business school. Like how do you create culture? It's like oh we have a ping pong table and we do pizza parties every other Friday. It's like Beer. that that is not culture. And and so when I say create an intentional culture. There's, uh, you know, I, I want to, people are listening to this. I want to give people some tools and like tangible, this is how you go about it. So let me just dive into that and I won't take too long. Yeah. Tell me more about but that. It's, oh man, look <laughs> at you. I like that. I'm look learning. You. Gosh, that was amazing. Uh, okay. So the way you create culture in an organization, it takes three things. They start with C's. It's a three C's thing. Uh, clarity, consistency, commitment. Um, clarity, meaning what is our culture in terms of what are the ground rules? What are the set of behaviors and expectations of every person in in terms of how they approach their jobs and do their actual job function? And how do they show up as human beings and impact other people on the team and get clear about that? So defining that you can hold people accountable. That's what I love about that. Yes, yes. And in a positive way, um, which I'm going to get into in a second. But like, when we talk about respect and trust and integrity, I'm like, cool, those are great concepts, but they don't mean the same thing to any two people in the world. So we say, oh, you know, there's a lot of companies that they say their core values are respect, but leaders like yell at people in meetings. You have uh, you know, gossip between departments and like all kinds of toxic bullshit behaviors. Pretty like, sure Enron had integrity as one of yeah, their core values. Of course they did. So, so we know how that went. Yeah. And so doing the work of saying, what are the ground rules here, right? What? How do we unpack those values and concepts into real, articulate, clear behaviors, um, right? So for example, um, saying like, we respect each other meaningless to an organization, meaningless to impact the way somebody shows up every day. But when we say instead, we do not gossip or badmouth about other people. If we have a problem with someone, we go right to the source and find a resolution. Now, that is a that is a ground rule. That's a behavior. And if any employee on my entire team and my entire organization, I can look at them and say this, the way they behave does or does not align with this culture. And so when we when we get clarity around the the right the ground rules, what are the what are the lists of behaviors and mindsets of how we approach our work? And it it's not just about impacting other people, but it's like you know we have zero apathy, right? We pay great attention to details, right? We take full accountability for the work that we produce, that it's high level and high caliber. It's stuff like that. So when we unpack our you know values into actual behaviors and come up with a, like a very clear culture, uh, right? And and addressing how do we deal with change? How do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with communication? How do we deal with you know uh, just all of the things that exist with feedback, giving and receiving feedback? What are our mindsets around that? How do we approach that? So when we create a culture with clarity around like what are the ground rules of our that's step number one. Step number two is commitment. And this is important for teams and organizations, especially it has to start at the top, right? Leadership teams and executive leadership team or the owner of a company has to say, we mean this. Um, because it, if it doesn't apply to every single person in the entire organization, from a brand new uh, frontline employee that's been there for three days to the CEO, to somebody on the executive team that's been there for 30 years, if it doesn't apply to 100%, every single person across the board, it's bullshit. It, it, it's meaningless. Why would your employees buy into something that only only applies to certain people, right? That uh, your team will see your quote unquote culture as what it really is, which is just a device to keep lower level employees in line. And, and it's hypocrisy and any, any, even the scent of that in a culture 
makes it completely meaningless. Oh, they'll sniff that out in a second. 100%. And you have to say as a team, as a leadership team, as an organization, we mean this. 100%. Like these are the, this list of behaviors, this code of conduct that we have created for ourselves with intention that is positive and high level and high frequency applies to everyone. And if you do not act in accordance and in alignment with these behaviors in our culture, yes, eventually you can lose your job from it. We mean this. And this is not, it's not, this is not for show. It's not internal marketing. We mean this 100%. And that commitment level, right? And it, and when we talk about a commitment and accountability, I think a lot of times people see that as being punitive, that it just means like, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. Accountability and commitment, it, it, right? Accountability really is truly about commitment. It's about saying, we mean this 100%. Nobody operates inside this organization outside of alignment with this culture. We mean it. And we hold each other accountable to this. And we also agree to be held accountable to these standards and these expectations. That's about, that's commitment. That's accountability. And the last one is consistency. So it's not that we print those things on a poster and put them on the wall. How do we live that every day? And how do we integrate that into systems and processes when we are hiring and onboarding people? How do we integrate those into that, uh, right? Training and development initiatives, uh, right? If we say we're, we, we resolve conflict by really listening and, uh, and being in control of our emotional behavior, right? But do we provide training for people for nonviolent communication and conflict management? If we don't, how can we expect that they be great at that, right? So it also informs our training and development initiatives, right? Our culture, the things that we say, this is how we do these things. This is what's important to us, um, right? The way we start meetings, the the way that we evaluate and give feedback and coaching to employees, like it, it, we have to integrate this culture that we create into the fabric and DNA of our team so that everybody understands it. It's comprehensive. We like from day one, from the moment you get hired, you understand what's expected of you and you can promise to people, right? If you're, if you're hiring somebody or you're trying to attract new people, you can show them on paper and talk about your culture in a really articulate way and say, this is absolutely how we are here, right? And this is all the people that you're going to work with in this organization. This is the standard that they're held to. And this is also like the standard that you will be held to. This is how we show up for each other. And it's positive. It's not, you're not creating like rules for a prison compound. They're positive. They're high frequency. It's man, right? We, we see change as an opportunity, not as a threat, or we seek out feedback, right? We actively seek out feedback and we don't see it as a criticism. We see it as an opportunity to grow. Like those kinds of mindsets, those kind of behaviors, when you can promise to a new, a candidate who's looking at your company and say, every single person here shows up like this. You will not have to work with anyone who's an asshole. <laughs> like anything outside of the alignment of this culture and our code of conduct here, we don't allow. Like this is who we are. This is how we are. And that that clarity, the commitment level, that consistency, that is how you create a culture. And there's a way, there's a step-by-step -step way to do it. So that's what I help organizations with is walking them through the process, guiding them on what questions to ask, what decisions to make, how to do that in a way that's really effective so that you can actually architect, design and build and live the culture that you want, right? You say, what what does perfect look like here? Define that and then strive towards that every single day. That That's how you do culture and organizations. And you... You are, you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find someone that knows how to do that. I talk to HR people and leaders that have been in for 20 years, 15, forever. And they're like, if you ask them, like, how do you create culture inside an organization? It, it goes into platitudes about like, well, you just, it's one conversation at a time and you treat people the way they want to be treated. And it's like, no, there's a, there's a tangible, tactical way to do this. Yeah. It is scalable. That's clear. Um, the same way as, as marketing, right? If you were to hire a marketing person and be like, okay, what's your, how do you approach marketing? What's your, you know, how, how do you do that? Well, yeah, we make, we make uh, great products. People will buy them. It's like, that's not marketing. Nope. And, and like it is, but 
it's not great. And there's a way to do it that is so much more tactical. That's so much more, uh, you know, that is more strategy that, that, you know, ah, just there's a more effective way to do it. And, and having those tools as a leader, as an organization to know how to do that work and impact every single person on the team, like it's, it's golden. I, I Obviously, I can't shut up about it. Like, I love this it's, work. No, I love it. Like, especially with the three C's, it, what that gives you versus like an organization who just might like put stuff on the wall. I think they're missing the the clarity and the consistency piece specifically where they might think like, okay, we just we have these values or behaviors posted somewhere and people are just going to live live those on a daily basis but that's just not true people resort back to whatever the experiences they've had before even coming into the organization and they may you know have those bad habits they bring them to the organization and if they're not told constantly or they're not shown what it looks like to to work here and how to behave and they're not reminded constantly then they're going to resort back to their old ways and if you, a hundred percent, I completely agree. And if you don't have clarity, then it, it just it's a it's a muddled mess. How do you address behavior that is out of alignment with your culture when it, right when it's like respect? Or respect means different things to different people. Integrity means different things. Somebody might be like, would right? You could somebody would look at themselves and be like, I have so much integrity because I would never embezzle from this company. That might be what it means to them. But meanwhile, that same person who says that gossips about other people, starts shit, right? As like is, is pushes back and reluctant to change. They have a terrible attitude, right? Like, so we have to say, what does integrity look like in practice? What does respect look like in practice here? And then when we have behaviors going on inside the organization that are out of alignment with those behaviors, we can easily point to that and say, hey, this thing you're doing, right? If I'm a leader, I can go to my employee and say, you know, this gossip, this these specific things that you're exhibiting are out of alignment with our culture, and it's so clear, right? You knew this from day one, and so, uh, right, like we need to get you here. We need to get you back in alignment with these things. What do you need from me? How can I? How can we make that happen together? Because without those things, you go to a, an employee and say, hey, you know, you're gossiping, you're doing these things, it's not respectful. That it's easy for that person to just say, well, you're picking on me. You're saying that because you yeah. don't like me. But when it's clearly articulated, of like we don't badmouth other people, or we have, you know, we see we actively seek out feedback we don't see it as a as a threat you know like when we when we're clear about what it means in practice then we can also point to something and say this is or isn't that thing uh and it's easy to address and it's in a collaborative you know we're committed to this um it doesn't have to be punitive and anyways i, just, I agree i agree let's touch on i want to touch on two more areas and then i'll, yeah. I'll let you go since we're okay. going we're going long but this okay. is so amazing i talked too um, much <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, like this is a this is a fantastic conversation. Um, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. So okay. in episode two of your Yes and Galen video series, which you have several video series, which I love. I, I watch every time you, you post one, I'm, I'm, I'm in because they're short and they're tangible. It's perfect. So you, <laughs> one title is titled treat your employee or treat your, treat your people amazingly. And for the love of Pete, fire shitty employees elaborate on that what you mean by fire shitty employees uh yeah well um i mean you know very plainly that's what you should do a lot of companies like know that they have people that uh have need very, to go very, very poor performance very poor attitude they're toxic they cause drama they're, they're like some people just are not a right fit and you know it's like companies firing somebody is the is the most challenging part of being a leader it by far it's the hardest thing people have families you don't you don't know how they're going to react it's there's it's it causes the most amazing it's it's terrible um 
But a lot of companies, because that's painful, avoid it. And ultimately, what you end up doing is paying somebody a salary to ruin your company, to cause other people the to quit their jobs. Right? Yes, 100%. If I work with everybody has worked with somebody who you're like, why does this person still have a job here? They're terrible. They're toxic. Everyone doesn't. Nobody likes working with them. People quit their jobs because of this leader or person on this team. And the company knows it. And they won't do shit about it. And it's like, you have to get rid of those people. They're costing you money. And my the, the litmus test for me for any leader, for any organization is you look at any employee in the world, in your company or organization on your team and say, if this person didn't already work for me and I knew everything that I know about them now, about how they show up, how they perform their job, right? The impact that they have, if they didn't already work for me in this role, would I hire them today right now based on everything that I know about this person? And if the answer to that question is no, then you need to do something about that right now. You need to have a conversation. You need to right address their behavior, their performance, and bring them up into greatness or get rid of them. You have to want to choose the people that you have. And I, I know that's harsh, but the truth is that like, you know, every person listening to this podcast that's ever had a job knows the impact of a shitty employee, of somebody who has a terrible attitude that other people don't like, right? It's like people quit their jobs or they hate coming to work because they have to interact with this person. The impact on culture and performance and engagement of your great employees uh, will suffer in a massive way if you don't get rid of the people that need to go. And and it's not like first resort, the very first thing you do is walk in and fire them right now, right? That's part of like your ability and capacity as a leader to have honest conversations, to have coaching conversations, to be able to bring people up into greatness, to turn them around, right? To collaborate with them, to support them and help them get to where they need to be. And if you if they don't come along, you have to let them go. But yeah, hundred percent. And I just, the, the treat your people amazingly side of that is that I don't think companies should just hold people to an incredibly high standard and then pay them like shit and treat them like garbage. I think it's yeah. double. You, you treat people amazingly, pay them well, treat them well, give them everything they want, unlimited time off, whatever it is, but hold them to a very high standard. It's like we give a lot and we ask a lot. And that's how, right? The balance of those two things, that is the ingredients to like a high performing team, right? So you hold people accountable to a high bar and and you give them everything that who you attract in that kind of situation is high performing people that want to be held accountable because people you know who doesn't want to be held accountable people that have poor attitudes and low performance like <laughs> and they know it it's like yeah they just want to hang it's out it's not a secret like right but when when it's that it's like we'll give you the world we'll pay you really really well and we ask the world of you and, and like that that's the recipe and it's like we can't have c level players right depending on the size of your organization, maybe you can have B players on your bench. But if you have a small company, you don't have room for oh. B players. It's A players only or, or you're gone. But you also like give people the world and then you can ask the world of them. Uh, that's it. It's just like treat people. Your employees are executing your business plan. Nothing in your company is more important than them. If they all put down their pens, close their laptops and walked out, your company is, would cease to exist. A company is not a real thing. It's not, it doesn't exist. Like if you have a hundred people leave right now today, your whole you're company goes down. Yep. You're yep. any, any individual leader, the CEO of your company could walk out the door and nothing would change, but your people executing your business plan, they walk out the door, you're done. Zero. Like, bye-bye. And it's like, we have to treat people, we have to elevate them and like support them, right? Treat them like the world, but we can't, we also have to hold people accountable to a high standard. And that is it's so key, man. It's so clutch. And it just companies that are afraid of 
getting rid of toxic people is like you have to you have to make the choice you have to like to be worthy of the badge of leadership you have to have the knowledge and capacity of how to have those tough conversations and also be able to make the tough call of parting ways with someone right it's a good goodbye i love you you're great wish you the well uh but it's we need to release you to market we're gonna promote you to consumer goodbye (laughs) you have to. so i want to i want to get your take on this subject so we've obviously been dealing with the coronavirus crisis the health crisis that's forced most of us to stay at home, um, except for essential workers. And it's kind of simultaneously, we're dealing with this, this racism, uh, movement, like where, I mean, just it's, it's sad. It's, um, I think a lot of people are scared to talk about it because emotions are so heightened. We're two white dudes. And I'm about to ask you a question. Like, how do you even jump into a conversation about race in the workplace? Because it does seem like organizations are starting to open up the doors to talk about it uh, because because emotions, uh, people are bringing it to work with them and they don't know how to to deal with the emotions. So I know you, you had some content on this recently, but what's your perspective on it? Uh, yep, um, for sure. And like being two white, very privileged males talking about this. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's challenging because the conversations are important and and leaders, organizations cannot be silent around this work, right? That like diversity, inclusion, equity, they matter. And conversations about race and addressing, taking a hard look at our systems and processes, what we have in place and doing that work. It's so meaningful. It's so impactful. It's the right thing to do. And there's a obviously a strong like business case for that, right? Like yeah, more diverse is. companies outperform companies that are less diverse tenfold. And and the question around how do you enter that conversation, I think that what's hard is that you don't have to have all the answers. And I think that, you know, as a leader, as a white male, as somebody who's not known that space, the number one thing to do is you have to educate yourself. You have to take it upon yourself to ask questions, um, right? To go and listen and listen. It's like we, uh, you know, especially as white people, we want to be the loudest voice in the room. It's like, this is not the time for that. Your voice is no, important yeah, in this conversation, but not as the loudest one in the room. And the work is on you. It is on you to go listen to the 1619 podcast, right? To like, uh, to read books. There's, what if I, what if I say the wrong thing? It's a book by Verne Myers. Brilliant. It's like, how do you tackle and approach your own unconscious bias and like mm-hmm. to to identify your own blind spots and to start doing that work right now and the, and and the the thing is that it's not it's not a nice to have these days right now in business it is yeah it is absolutely you need to be uh competent around conversations that had to do with culture and bias and diversity and inclusion right you like you have you cannot be afraid to say the word black uh right yeah. i just there it's the the to be willing to step into that conversation, to not be the loudest one in the room, to educate yourself, right? To have meaningful conversations, to look, to do meaningful work, not performative kind of like, okay, let's release a statement and say Black Lives Matter on our social media channels. Cool. But the real work internally is like, take a look at your systems, take a look at your process, take a look at your leadership team. Are they completely white? Are they all men? It's like, mm-hmm. you have a problem here. And uh, and knowing how to address it, there's so there's an unlimited amount of resources, blogs, books, videos. Right. There's so many resources out there of how do you approach these things? How do you become more uh, have more culturally competent conversations as a leader? How do you get into this work? And like, it's so important to take it upon yourself and educate yourself. And I just, you know, I know it's. Ah oh, man, I just I see well, so many it's just like steps. it's just so like anything. Steps. Like if you if you're not talking about it regularly, it, it's uncomfortable. So when you're not having the conversation, it's it makes us nervous, anxious, all those things. But if you do it more, 
it's like flexing a muscle. Like you just, you get sort of used to it and it becomes, um, to the point where you're so comfortable you can take action on it. Yeah. So, and, and I think that I see a lot of missteps because it, it just, it's not the kind of thing you can dip a toe into and, no, sh- yeah, and show up in the conversation. You ha- like the things you don't know are massive. And I see a lot of missteps by this, by a, a, a leader of a team, like pointing, like, calling out right and putting all the focus and and uh, like on a person of color on their team or whatever to be like i want you to help lead this conversation it's like what the fuck are you doing go educate yourself right it's like and know how you can approach these conversations and how to step into this stuff without looking like an idiot with like and 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 the thing is that there's fear because nobody wants to say the wrong thing nobody wants to enter the conversation with good intention and say the wrong thing which we've all seen happen many many times and and there is uh very little grace for that right now because we are way past the point of of being able allow you to be like I'm gonna kind of fumble through this and not take it upon myself and take it seriously to educate myself. Go listen to right uh, black blogs matter. Uh, that's a great. There's so many great resources out there to read. How do you approach these conversations on Teams uh, in general? What language is okay? Why is certain language problematic? Right and like identify your own blind spots and look read resources and like before any leader approaches this conversation at all go read 10 or 20 blogs and one or two books and listen to a podcast like get educated and don't go to the black people in your life and be like what books should i read they're not libraries like don't don't be an idiot like be uh, right be a conscious accountable like take responsibility for your own education and go and educate yourself have conversations ask questions but like do it in a way that's respectful and 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 doesn't single people out that's not ridiculous and i just i see so many missteps in that place and it's like uh it has yeah. to be done but the the first main important thing is that like the responsibility is on you and it's not a nice to have this is an absolute must you need to be able to have competent conversations around this stuff and dni work and and understand what do we do in our organization how do we talk about this how do we uh right how do we do meaningful work that isn't just performative around these conversations because they're so important and white people right now should not be the loudest voice in the room but they also need to have a voice they do need to be speaking up and saying this matters to us and take action around you know yeah that's the thing that's the thing about like the the privilege part is like you we've got the platform right so we could we can use the platform for good and like admittedly i'm you know, early on in my journey of educating myself. And so like, naturally, I want to be quiet, because I don't want to say the wrong thing. But at the same time, what I have is I have this platform where I can have conversations with people who know a lot more than I do, and I can learn from them. And that's, that's where I'm starting my journey. I'm going to read a lot. I'm I'm leading a book club at Zenium uh, with White Fragility, the book, which is hard to find right now, because it's very popular. And then we're going to have breakout sessions and talk about this. So that's kind of where we're starting. It's it's going to be a long process, though. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's important is like start where you are, right? And like yeah. the acknowledgement that a lot of companies, a lot of individuals are like, this is they're new to this conversation, the idea of white privilege, et cetera. But it's like, um, you know, just have to start where we are and go forward. Uh, enter these conversations, read a lot. And like it just... There's there's so many things out there. There's no excuse for not getting on Google and reading. Like, how do you have conversations about race at work? How, like, how do you be a better white ally? Like, there are, there are thousands of blogs and information out there that's incredibly useful. That's like, this is the kind of language to use. This is how to approach these conversations. This is how to do this in a meaningful way. Like, um, don't just you have to take that upon yourself um, because these these conversations are long overdue, incredibly important in organizations, um, and it is not acceptable for a leader to be 
incompetent in that space anymore. It just isn't. We have to be able to talk meaningfully about these things uh, and approach it in a meaningful way. So, Galen, you are a wealth of knowledge. I've, I mean, this this conversation has been mind blowing for me. It, you, your energy that you bring to this conversation, just I loved it. Loved their time together. I took I took a lot of your time, and I appreciate that. And I, I know listeners will will enjoy this, um, and probably have enjoyed it. So, where can people learn more about you and and all your work, or even see you speak if you can even go out on stage right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, right Right now is a lot of virtual training kind of stuff. Yeah. So doing a lot of virtual stuff with teams. Um, so yeah, a couple things on my, so every Tuesday morning, I have something called the culture drop. That's our like weekly, it's our email list. That's our newsletter. But the only thing that you get in it is one video that's less than five minutes long um, around a topic that has to do with leadership, culture, communication, et cetera, emotional intelligence, the stuff that I just have lots to say about. Um, so if people are interested in that, you can sign up for the culture drop on my website, which is shiftyes.com. Um, all of the videos that we create, all the content that I produce, it's all totally free. Um, it's really tangible, tactical kind of stuff. Like this is how to do this work, not just theory. I try to like stick in as many, like here's how to have conversations around feedback and stuff as much as possible. But my YouTube channel, also we post all of our videos that on there. So that's another place people can go and follow me. Um, we do live Q&A kind of questions every once in a while. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to engage, but all the content that I have out there um, is, f I just put out a lot of free content, which I started doing that a couple of years ago for clients and teams that I work with. It's just like, how can people keep these conversations going? And I have so much that I want to say and like share that's a value. So um, we just started putting out these weekly emails and stuff, but I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, find me on there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. So people can find me at shift. Yes, is the basically the handle for most of those channels. But if you Google Galen Emanuel or my company, uh, you can, you know, my website has a lot of content on it stuff too. So, um, and I'm also like, I've got resources. So if people listening to this are interested to reach out to me to be like, Hey, I'd love some resources around, around creating culture, around giving, receiving feedback more effectively, or like leadership development. That's all the kind of stuff that I do. And I, I'd be happy to, um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk with someone about that, share the resources that I have for free. I'm a big fan of give everything away. Um, Me you know, too. I, I do engagements with teams, do keynotes and like work with executive teams and like all staff people and, and stuff. But I, I just, I'm a big fan of giving away valuable content um, that's helpful to people and like, you know, uh, also getting hired to go in and work directly with people and, and, and give them more guidance. But um, thank you, Brandon. Thank you for having hey, me on here. I, it's I been so great. I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care.